right, good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Hey, good morning. Glad to be here with you all this morning. Uh, my name is Nate, one of the pastors here. Excited uh, to be back preaching this morning. Um, uh, real quick, <clears throat> once uh, if you're new, we'd love to connect with you. So please don't just wander out. Uh, I know a lot of people tend to visit churches during Christmas, so we would love to help you uh, in your journey, whatever that might be like. And so please connect with us. I'll be down front to pray. You can get a connect card at the table. Uh, and we would love to walk with you along the road of life. Uh, a couple of quick things. We're going to be in Psalm 149, so if you want to go ahead and find your way there. Uh, before we jump into the word, I want to lay out December for us and also encourage us. Yesterday, we ran our Christmas store, uh, which is our, our yearly kind of Christmas outreach to serve families in our community and help provide uh, toys and Christmas gifts for children uh, in our area. And so that was a, an amazing success. We had so many of our families that we've been serving all year during COVID, uh, be able to come through and be blessed and be able to do this together. Uh, once again, as we always say, we are servants first. We posture ourselves as the servant uh, and trying to lift up and embolden and encourage others around us. And so it was an amazing day to be able to bless those families, for them to hear the gospel, see the gospel uh, in word and in deed. And so that was like nine to three, and there was just a constant flow of people from the community in here. And then uh, as well during the day, uh, we partner with Hope uh, Pregnancy Center, which is, you can walk there from here, which is cool. Um, and they do uh, an amazing work to help fight for life. Uh, you know, like we say, womb to tomb. We want to believe in life that matters, womb to tomb. Like the whole way, we are pro-life, the whole way, all of life pro-life. Uh, and so we believe in that, and we want to join them in the fight. So they're working to, um, to help moms and to help uh, potential uh, babies and, and to be able to, for the Lord to be able to work to provide uh, everything that they need so that they can bring that child to, to life full term and so that the Lord can really allow that family to flourish. And so they're in that battle and we want to support them. So we partner with them. We've been able to donate some money as well. Yesterday they used our building uh, to be able to serve their uh, family members, to be able to serve the ones that support their organization, to be able to serve their volunteers. Uh, and they were here all day using it for that purpose. And so I was just encouraged yesterday that something we say a lot, community center church, that we want to build a church uh, that's not here just to run services, but services are a launching pad, not a landing place into the community. And the building itself does not exist just for services or even just for Christians, but it exists for the community uh, Sunday through Saturday. And we're seeing that played out, and yesterday was a great example of that. And so I was just encouraged in my heart to see this place, even this physical place, be used as a tool by which we can reach our community and by which we can join in the fight for souls, the fight for lives, the fight for God's kingdom here on earth uh, to be established here in Falls Church. And so you guys are a part of that. Your service, your generosity uh, is making those things happen. And so I just want to encourage you this morning uh, that those things are happening around us. The community is being impacted, and I'm so excited to be a part of this with you. Also, uh, a couple other ways we're going to impact our community this December. Uh, tomorrow we have our food delivery day, which normally happens on the third Monday every month. But because uh, Christmas is next week or whatever soon, uh, the third Monday doesn't work out. And so we're doing the second Monday this month, which is tomorrow. And so we would love for you to come join us. If you want to come pack gifts, I mean pack food bags around 4 o'clock, that would be great. If you want to come deliver them to homes around 5, between 5 and 6, that would be fantastic. So we're all going to gather together, anybody that can come to pack or to deliver and we're going to serve our, our community tomorrow uh, with food. And then on Saturday, we originally had planned this big Christmas outreach thing. It was going to be amazing. Woo, all the stuff, all the Christmas stuff and the gospel. And it was just going to be an incredible time together. Well, in light of obviously COVID and all the, the current restrictions and just 
uh, the reality of the, the world we're living in right now. Uh, packing out everything and having people running all over the place didn't seem like the best idea. So we pulled back from that and thought, okay, well, we still got to impact our community. What can we do? We didn't want to just give up. Um, and I had just listened to a podcast <clears throat> where a guy was sharing about a missionary friend uh, or a story that he had heard of where the guy was doing a missionary work out in some remote place. And one winter was really bad. And so he would work in the mountaintops and in the valleys, and he would do ministry in both places, which I think is a great metaphor for life, you know, and doing ministry in life, mountaintops and valleys. Well, it was one winter storm where he couldn't get to the mountaintops. It was just too hard, and he wasn't able to make it. So he knew it would be about three or four months before he even saw those people again. So he, he decided in his mind to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this season as a test. And he was going to do ministry in person with the people that were near him that he could have access to. And then he was going to pray for them, of course, but he was going to pray more intensely and more focused for the people in the mountains, the ones he could never see. And then he was going to see at the end who was more spiritually mature, what, what God was doing in, in the groups. And so three or four months later passed, he goes up to visit the people in the mountains that he hadn't seen for months. He had only prayed for and he said they were more spiritually mature, more engaged in the scriptures, more excited about the Lord, more fervent in evangelism than when he had left, and increasingly more so than the people he did minister, ministry with in person. And so we say a lot around here, prayer is the work. And we actually mean that. It's not a catchy phrase or whatever, that prayer is the work. And so we thought <clears throat> with the same type of limited restrictions on access, we can't get to people and share the gospel in the same ways we normally would. And so how can we really continue to depend on prayer to make an impact in our community and to kind of follow that guy's example to say we believe prayer is the work and we want to uh, materialize that in the way we even structure our outreach right now. So on Saturday, instead of having a bunch of people come here, uh, we are going to have you guys come here. And from 2 to 4, it's a drive-through where you can get cookies and hot chocolate. So bring your kids, bring your family, bring whoever. Uh, come get some cookies and hot chocolate. It's going to be awesome. You'll drive through. You'll grab cookies and hot chocolate. And then you'll get a card that has a location and prayer points on it. And we have strategically created these cards to cover all the places in the community that we serve and that we want to see the Lord make a difference in. So that as you come, we can see you, bless you. It'll be nice. You get some hot chocolate and some cookies. We want to serve you as our church. We love you. But then we'll send you out strategically with a prayer card and a location for you to go pray that God would do things that we can't do, especially in a season where we can't get to people the same way. And so we're going to do that together this Saturday, and I urge you to prioritize that as a high priority to say we're going to serve our community uh, by intensely dedicating a day of prayer for them and going to the particular locations where we serve and where our community lives so that we can pray that God would not only work in that moment, but that he would work in the year to come. And so we're going to get together and do that uh, because prayer is the work. So is anybody ready to do that Saturday? You believe this? Are we good? Y'all with me? All right. All right. That's great. So we're going to come pray. So two to four, get some cookies, hot chocolate, a card, go pray, family-friendly activity. It's going to be great. So join us on Saturday for that. And then just for December planning, just to be clear to make sure everybody understands, uh, we have service today, obviously. Welcome to service. Uh, we have service next week. Uh, we don't have kids today or next week. We don't have service for kids. We have kids. Kids are wonderful. They exist. Uh, we don't have service for kids um, today or next week, City Light Kids. And then on Christmas Eve, we have a 4 o'clock service. We'd love for you to join us here. It's going to be bilingual, open to the community and to our, our congregation. It's going to be a great time together. Just to be short, just awesome, Get gather around the gospel, encourage one another, and then go to your family tra uh, Christmas traditions and dinners and all that. So 4 o'clock here on Christmas Eve. And then on the 27th, uh, we have decided through prayer and just asking what's the best decision to not run any services at all for uh, multiple reasons. Number one... 
Uh, it's right after Christmas, and obviously with all the traveling and all that, we just want to be as cautious as we can. Uh, and so that's number one reason, um, not only to not have people, but not even require staff or servant leaders or any of that to be in the building, just to allow everybody to stay with their family or wherever they are uh, so that we can play it a little extra safe. And so there's no service here. There's also no service online. And what we want to do is provide a family worship guide for you to walk through a time together within your own family or with your roommates or wherever you live uh, so that you can have your time with the Lord and with your family there in your house or wherever you are. And so we're still going to equip you to gather, but we're going to kind of close the year on like a, a corporate Sabbath for us to rest, be with your family or whoever you're with this time, and then let's launch into the new year together. So that's going to be the plan. On January 3rd, we'll be back here. 21 days of prayer and fasting kicks off. And we'll be ready to roll to tackle whatever it is the Lord has in 2021 for us as a church uh, and as a people. So that's the plan. If you got it, say got it. All right, good, awesome. Uh, so that's what we're hoping to do this December. So uh, today, Psalm 149, we're in the middle of a series, an Advent series called Psalms for the Season. And the reason for this is we wanted to make sure that even though 2020 has certainly uh, been nothing that we expected and had an incredible level of difficulty to it, we wanted to make sure that we close the year with praise. We wanted to make sure that mountaintops or valleys, good or bad, we give God the worship and praise that he is due. And so as we close our year, we close it in praise. And we're thinking about a lot how Christmas is defined by singing, right? And it's defined particularly by Christmas songs that many of us have as traditions and things that we sing and that we love. There's a big fight, obviously, over about Christmas singing. Who sings Christmas songs before Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. Before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving, okay, be honest. All right, just a few, just a few, you blasphemers of the Holy Spirit, just a few. Um, we love you guys anyways, but that's a really bad decision, okay? If you play Christmas music anytime, it has no, like, you know, specialty to it, okay? What's the point? So I'm in the after Thanksgiving club, uh, but we associate Christmas, and we fight over when do we sing these songs, because there's a particular set of Christmas songs we all really like to sing, uh, and that has a dedicated season to it. We associate Christmas with singing. And what we wanted to do was not only enjoy those traditions and those wonderful things, but to bring about new songs in our hearts for this Christmas season. New songs, particularly not of tradition and of uh, wonderful little practical things like chestnuts roasting over an open fire, uh, but new songs from the Bible, new songs that we can sing to the Lord to end our season with praise by God putting a new song in our heart. Because for many of you, if we're being honest, 2020 has taken your singing away. 2020 has taken your song away. It's taken your joy away. It's taken your excitement for life away. All the difficulties that you have faced have created a fog and an emptiness that has taken away your ability and even desire to sing, both actually and metaphorically in your life. It has taken away your song. Or maybe Christmas is a season that brings great joy to many, but for you triggers a really bad memory. Maybe Christmas reminds you of things that you lost. Christmas reminds you of a bad thing that happened to you during Christmas season. Christmas reminds you of your current struggle with loneliness. And as everybody else engages with their family and with their friends, you, though missing out on those for a variety of reasons, feel extremely lonely this Christmas. And that just magnifies it for you. And so it's difficult for a new song to be in your heart because you're struggling. And what I want to do today is to tell you, A, how much God loves you and how he wants to put a new song in your heart and how he wants to guide you and bless you and be with you in this season and to encourage you that our circumstances do not dictate the songs of our heart. 
And we're going to walk through this today, and I hope your heart is encouraged, and I hope your soul is encouraged, and I hope we can all, regardless of what 2020 has been like for you, and regardless of what Christmas brings up to you, that we can all, because there's one good reason to do it, in Jesus, leave this place singing a new song to him, and having a new song for our season, and having a new song for our hearts. So that's what we're after this morning. So Psalm 149, you should go ahead and read it with me. It says this, verse 1, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and to bind kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them ju the judgment written. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Let's praise the Lord. So today, as we consider this passage, and I'm sure if you, if you just read it with me and were thinking about it, you'd be like, man, that was really encouraging for five verses. It took a real hard right turn about swords and, and judgment in the last part, and I don't quite know what to do with that. And I'm going to show you that a little bit later in the end. But what I want to do today is help put a new song in your heart, a new song of joy and praise unto the Lord based off what he has done. But like I said, so many of you don't even know where that would come from. You feel dry, feel empty. Frustrated, burnt out, upset, confused, unclear, and you don't even know where, where that would come from in your heart. It's not there. And so I want to help you get there today and to connect with the Lord and to create that environment in your heart where you're really sensing what God is doing in your life. So there's three ways I think we see from this text that you can actually sing to the Lord a new song. So that's the command in verse 1, sing a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song, a new song from your heart, a new song about your interactions with God, a new song as you relate to him. How do we do that? How do we follow that command? I'm going to show you three things. The first, you can write these down. A new song comes from old truths. A new song comes from old truths. Man, this is going to be so important. You don't need anything new to happen to you to create a new song to God. You don't need anything new to happen to you so that you can praise. You don't need a different circumstance, a better circumstance, a better outcome. You don't need anything new for you to be able to praise God because the most important thing God ever has done for you is already done. What Christ has already done is sufficient. And if God never did anything else for you, this would be enough. This would be enough. A new song from old truths, but so many of you are looking for something new to create a new sense of joy, a new sense of happiness, a new sense of fulfillment in your life, and you have dismissed what has already been done for you. A new song comes from old truths. A new song from old truths. This is why Advent is so important, because it's a particular season in which we are emphasized to remember, which we should always be doing every day. But because of this season, we remember, we look back, and we remember that God came in the form of a baby, and he came to save us from our sins. This is crazy, right? That God who reigns on high would come in the form of a baby, be born in a manger, grow.
grow up completely dismissed and overlooked, and then he would do amazing signs and wonders for three years, and then he would die on the cross for our sins, be raised again from the dead, and he says, if anybody would believe in me, that person will have eternal life. It's already done. It's already done. Yeah, Jesus did not say it is getting started. Jesus said it is finished. Finished. Done. Over. The battle against death and sin, done. It's a wrap. There's nothing else to fight. Jesus has already won. And so now a new song will come out of your meditation on and remembrance of old truths. Old truths. So what are you overlooking now that God has already done for you? Because you know what happens is, this is just the process of life sometimes, something extraordinary happens, but it becomes normalized over time to us, and now it becomes ordinary. And because it's ordinary, now we overlook it, and when we overlook it, we lose the benefits it gave us when it was extraordinary. And now we get to this point where we say, well, that's not so good, God, I don't know. And we say, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. If only something new would come. If only my circumstance would change. If only the situation would get different. If only 2021 is better than 2020, I'll be fine. And God wants you to not look forward right now as much as to look back and to remember that what you need has already been supplied. It's done. It's done. A new song comes from old truths. A new song comes from old truths. And listen to me. You cannot sing a new song if you don't have a new heart. This is what the Bible teaches us. New songs come from new hearts. And new hearts are only given by belief and trust in Jesus. And so if you're here today and you're attempting to create something new in your life, attempting to make sure things get better on your own, there will, nothing will change, particularly in the depths of your heart, until God gives you a new one. The Bible teaches us that our hearts currently apart from Christ are hearts of stone. They're impenetrable. They're hard. They can't receive anything. And then God needs to, by faith and trust in Jesus, give you a new heart. The Bible calls a heart of flesh, a heart that's sensitive, moldable, soft, a heart that can receive the truth and be worked in. And God says, man, unless you have a new heart by believing and trusting in Christ, you cannot sing a new song. And so many of you are trying to sing a new song with your new life without a new heart, and it's frustrating and it's not working. And I want you to know that the only way anything new happens to you of any benefit is if you trust in Christ as a new way to live. If you trust in Christ and repent from your sins and receive a new heart from God, that's your step today. And some of you don't need a new heart, you need a renewed heart. You've trusted in Christ, praise God. You've believed and surrendered to him, praise God. But your heart has grown stale to those wonderful truths. You don't need a new heart. You need a renewed heart. And God wants to do that in your life this morning to give you a new heart. So here's what you need to do. Write this down. We must place our present circumstances in the context of his past faithfulness. Place your present circumstances. And I thought this was all of Habakkuk too. Your present circumstances in the context of his past faithfulness. How do I navigate this season? How do I close the year with praise? How do I get a new heart, a new song in my heart? How do I get affected like that to really believe in God? Well, you place your circumstances present in his past faithfulness. It's already been done. God's already revealed his love, his mercy, his sovereignty, his goodness towards you. That's already been done. And so now you take your present circumstances that may be difficult, confusing, and frustrating, and you place them in the context of God's revealed love and mercy and grace towards you. 
This is how you navigate your current season, and this is where praise comes from. Praise doesn't come from looking around my circumstances and saying, things are good right now. Thank you, God, which is great. You can praise him for that when they're good. Praise the Lord. He doesn't have to do that. It's nice of him to do that. But praise really comes from when you look at everything and you say, God is good anyways. He died and rose again for me. Praise the Lord. That's where it really comes from. And so here's something I want you to think through in terms of a renewed heart and a, a new experience is this. A new song is a fresh experience of a forgotten goodness. A new song is a fresh experience of a forgotten goodness. It's taking something that you've believed in, trusted in, or even a moment in which God revealed his faithfulness to you and his kindness to you, and that has grown ordinary over time. And it's to say a new song comes from a fresh experience of an old truth. A new song comes from a fresh experience of a forgotten goodness. Now here's what I want to ask you. How fresh is your experience of God? How fresh right now is your experience with God? How fresh is it? How fresh is it? Is it ready? Is it moldable? Is it exciting? Is it fresh? Is it new? How fresh is your experience with God? Is it alive? Is your experience with God alive? I was thinking about this so much to say a, a new song is a fresh, a fresh expression, a fresh experience of something I have forgotten or of an old truth. And to think about in my own life, is my relationship with God fresh? And to think about how much effort we put into keeping our food fresh. Think about how much effort we put into and the things we take for granted that refrigerators haven't been around for most of human history. All the things we use to keep things fresh that we pay good money for and that we use to pay electricity to get to. And all the systems and processes that we use to keep food fresh. And all the expiration dates on all the things in the store so you'll know when your food's not fresh. All so that we can make sure our food is fresh because when it's fresh, it's the best for us. We put in all the work to maintain the freshness because we value what it provides for us. And the question for me and for you is are we putting in the work to maintain our fresh experience with God because we value what he does for us? Because we value who he is to us. How much work are you putting in to join God in preserving not just the reality of his salvation for you, but your experience of it, your connection to it? Is your relationship with God fresh? Are you putting in the work to maintain the freshness of that? To put in time in the scriptures, times in prayer, times spending with God's people, times in service for God's kingdom, sharing the gospel. Is your relationship with God fresh? Because a new song is a fresh experience of a forgotten goodness. A fresh experience of God's relationship to us. And so there's your second point. A new song comes from a personal relationship. So a new song comes from old truths. A new song comes from a personal relationship. Look in verse 2. He says, let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Verse 4, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. His maker, their king, his people. This is a relationship. This is a relationship. A new song comes from a personal relationship. Now look at verse 4. This will bless you. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. You have to receive that this morning. If you are here and you have trusted in and surrendered to and are following Jesus and through his life, death, and resurrection for you, this is you to say, the Lord takes pleasure in me. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord takes pleasure in you. The Lord takes pleasure in you. The Lord takes pleasure in you. I love this. Listen to this. Come on. This will bless your heart this morning to say, God is not obligated to help you. God is not obligated to bless you. 
God is not obligated to save you. God is not obligated to lead you. God is not obligated to listen to you. God is not obligated to speak to you. As a matter of fact, God's main obligation is to himself, which requires that if we are sinners, which we are, that he punish us. God's primary obligation is to punish us because of our sin. But because he takes pleasure in you, he decided to save you. Because he takes pleasure in you, he sent his son to take your punishment. Because he takes pleasure in you, he leads you. Because he takes pleasure in you, he speaks to you. Because he takes pleasure in you, he saves you. Listen to this. God takes pleasure in his people. When you receive that this morning, listen, even if you've just recently made a terrible decision or had a big mistake or have fallen into something you wish you never would have fallen in, the whole point of the cross is God doesn't currently judge you by your mistakes. God's not assessing his pleasure of you one day and not the next. Because of what Jesus has done, God looks to you like he sees Jesus. Perfect. Without blemish. And God takes pleasure in you. God is the original Chick-fil-A. He always says, my pleasure. He always says, my pleasure. He always says, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's my pleasure to bless you. It's my pleasure to love you. It's my pleasure to serve you. It's my pleasure to delight in you. It's my pleasure to give you an extra ice cream when you only ordered two. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Come on. Sometimes we have this weird relationship with God where it's like just facts or he's like God. And I'm like, oh, no, which we should be fearful of him. But to say, man, God loves you and he likes you. You know how the difference is sometimes say, I love you and I like you. Those are two different things sometimes, you know. I love you, which might just be a choice you're making. I like you. It's like, I actually enjoy you right now. I like you. I like your presence, you know. I like having you around. You can love people you don't like. Amen. Yeah, we all, we all have that. You can love people you don't like. But to say I love you and I like you is a totally different thing. And that's what God says to his people. I love you and I like you. I enjoy you. He takes pleasure in you. Come on, you got to receive that this morning. Receive that this morning. And he takes pleasure in you even when you mess up, even when you make a mistake, even if your whole life has been a mess. God died to fix that. God died to save you from that. God takes pleasure in you. Even if you did something stupid last night, God takes pleasure in you. You know, this is why the Bible says the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. Because I receive that. I say, Lord, you're so good. Why would you be so good to me? Now I'm motivated to follow you. I'm motivated to turn from my sin. You've been so kind to me. God takes pleasure in you. Receive that this morning. He takes pleasure in you. He enjoys you. He loves you. When I think about this in verse uh, 3, it says, Let him praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. And I think about when, when your relationship is personal and vibrant, in the context of a personal relationship comes the expression of affections. If your heart is alive to the things of God, you will naturally, or better yet, supernaturally, have affections for God. And those affections will be expressed because they cannot be contained. Because it's too good. Now, many of you who are currently in love or have been in love at some season in life know what this is like when you begin to fall in love. When I met my wife... And she was amazing, and I just, every day, I was like, wow, she's so great. I just began, what did I begin to do? I began to write poems. 
really corny, really dumb poems, you know? Your eyes are as blue as the sea. You shine like the stars in the sky. You know, I love you so much, you know? <laughs> like, you're just writing it down, writing it down. Dr. Seuss, you know? And you're just like, I have to say something. And if you read it now, you'd be like, that sounds so corny. But in the middle of it, it was like, I, I, my, my relationship with you is so good, I have to express something. You know, and it's, uh, even if I would write a song, you know, I went to Liberty University, and everybody that goes there is required to learn how to play the guitar. And so I learned how to play the guitar while I was there. Uh, I cannot sing, and I have no musical ability whatsoever, but I know C, D, G, E. Okay, I have four chords in my back pocket that I can use. I do this for family worship. They're all, most worship songs we sing are four very basic chords I have learned, okay? It's not overly complicated, so you can just be like, uh, you know. So anyways, I can play a few songs. So then I, what did I begin to do with my four chords that I knew and my Dr. Seuss lines I put together? I begin to write songs, terrible songs, really bad songs, songs nobody should hear. Nobody, but they were for her. Why was I writing songs with no musical ability and no singing voice? Because I was overwhelmed with the reality of my relationship to her. I had to express it. So listen, this is what worship really looks like is the expression of my affection because of my gratitude for the relationship. Say, this just keeps getting better. You're so amazing. Every day I spend with you is better than the previous one. I am so thankful and in love with you. I must express it. And so I sing, and I, there's a new song in my heart, right? Where did those new poems and new songs come from? They didn't come from just, like, seeing her from afar and saying, oh, well, she's beautiful. She has this kind of hair. No, it came from being engaged with her in a personal relationship. So listen to me. Do you know God from afar? You got all the facts right? God, his son of God, Jesus, savior of the world, died for my sins, rose again from the grave. I believe that, but it's afar, and you can believe that and be like, that's nice. Or have you come close and drawn near to him so that he's, he's near and engaged in a relationship with him? Some of you are trying to express affections from a, a long distance. And we all know how long distance relationships work. They're much more difficult than being in person. And to say, God wants to draw near. James 4, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God has made you a promise. And so if you want to have those affections for Jesus, draw close to him. Because when you engage in a relationship with him, those are going to happen because he's so wonderful. And so a new song comes from a personal relationship. And a new song comes from an old truth. Finally, as we close, a new song comes from a great salvation. A new song comes from a great salvation. Look in verse uh, 4. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. What a phrase. Adorns is like clothes, you know, like he clothes the humble with salvation. He puts it on them. And I was thinking, I was just trying to think about this more and more, like, God, give me the full, like, what does this really mean? And what does this feel like and look like? <clears throat> and I thought about, you know, a bunch of girls who go shopping, and the girl puts on a dress. Maybe she's got a big date or a wedding dress. You know, she's getting ready. She comes out, and all the girls are like, girl, that looks good on you. That looks good. Oh, you look so good. You know, like, that looks good on, oh, he's going to be like, oh, that looks so good on you. And I thought about when the God clothes you with salvation, God's like, yo, salvation looks good on you. Humility looks good on you. The mercy and grace of God in your life, that looks good on you. Trust in the Lord, that looks good on you. God's like, hey, salvation looks good on you. He clothes you with salvation. 
he puts it on you. Now, the question is for you and for me, if we've trusted in Christ, not whether we're aware of, not whether that's happened for us, but whether we're aware of it and walking in it. Imagine wearing a wedding dress and walking as if you had sweatpants on. Imagine wearing a wedding dress and, and not even being aware of how people are responding and acting towards you, not even being aware of what that does for your countenance. You know, like when a girl puts a wedding dress on, it changes her countenance. Why? Because she's clothed in something that makes her feel so beautiful. And this is what God is saying. He has adorned you with salvation. He has clothed you with the garments of salvation. And that looks good on you. Good on you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What? Does the Lord, as he must speak. Okay. I just want to give him a moment just in case he has something to say. Um, okay. <clears throat> so you see what God is saying here, though, that salvation looks good on you. And I want you to not just know that, but to walk in it. So here's the difference. You can know it, but not walk in it. And the fact that salvation looks good on you should change your countenance in the same way that putting on something that makes you feel beautiful changes your countenance. It changes the way you feel about yourself. It changes the way you feel about the way you move around in the world. It changes everything about the way you're thinking about yourself. And that's what God wants to do with you now is to say, I've clothed you with salvation. I've adorned you with mercy, grace, faithfulness, love, peace, joy, all of that. I've put it on you. It's covering you. Now walk in it. And if you're clothed like that and aware of it, new songs are going to come out of your heart. So that's a question for you and me is what is your countenance? Is your countenance one of someone who's been clothed with salvation? Or have you forgotten a beautiful old truth? When God saved you, he didn't just stop right there. He continues to help you walk in it. And the clothes that he gave you that instead of sin and darkness are now white and beautiful and light, the clothes that he gave you to clean away all your old messiness, the clothes that he gave you to cover you now, and make you pure and holy before him are the same clothes you're walking in. And to say, God has adorned me with salvation, salvation looks good on you. And to walk in that and let that change your countenance because something new might not happen for you. And 2021 could very well be worse than 2020. And a new situation might not ever arise, but the same salvation is available to you. Right? You don't need a new situation. You need to remember the same salvation. And to walk in the thing that God has already done for you. And if you do these three things and walk in them, a new song is going to come from your heart. New songs come from old truths. Take this season to remember. Don't get so focused on something new. Remember all these wonderful things that are old. A new song comes from a personal relationship. Are you engaged with God personally or do you know him from afar? Is your relationship with God fresh? Is it alive? Are you putting in the work? And a new song comes from a great salvation. If you are in Christ, the Lord has clothed you with his beauty. Walk in that. Let that affect your countenance. And if you are not, God wants to give you that this morning. God came for the very worst of all of us. And as we celebrate Christmas, we remember not just that a baby came in a manger, but that baby grew up to be a man, the son of God, the son of man. And that man, that God man, died for your sins. Right? Christmas is no good without Easter. And so we're going to go ahead and celebrate Easter four months early because <laughs> Christmas ain't worth nothing if Easter didn't happen. 
And so as we remember Jesus coming, remember that he came to die, and he came to die for you. He came to die for your sins. The things you think are terrible about yourself, the things you would never tell anyone. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The way I describe it is like at the apex of my sin. The worst thing that I would never want anyone to know, at that point, Jesus died for me. Not for the things I don't mind telling people. No, 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 he died for the very worst of me. And he died for the worst of you. And Christmas is no good without Christ and without a trust in Christ. And so Jesus came for you. And if that's you this morning, if God's working in your heart, he wants to give you a new heart through trusting and believing in him. Do that this morning. And for the rest of you who know Christ, remember he wants to renew your heart to give you a new song. So ask him for that this morning. And let's pray and continue to sing to him. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this new song that we can sing because of your goodness, because of your grace and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for taking sinners like us covered in old rags and giving us royal garments. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you that you take pleasure in us, Lord. It's crazy. I pray that your people would be so encouraged this morning, that you delight in them, that you love them. And I pray, Lord, that if anybody in this room is apart from you because of unbelief and sin, that they would draw near to you this morning in belief and trust. And that we would all walk out of here singing with a new song. And that we would celebrate this Christmas season with new songs of what you're doing in our new hearts. So we love you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand and, and sing with us as we respond to God?